too good, but we thank you because you are working behind the scenes and things that we can't see. And Lord, and, and uh, you're bringing this nation to you, I believe, Lord. And uh, yeah, you're shaking us up, and we thank you for that. We we don't like the shaking, but we thank you for what you're doing. That you're going to bring revival. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that, Lord. And you, Lord, you see what you're doing, uh, trying to take this country down. And we just speak against that Amen. and say in, in all their doings that it, all things will work together for your good. And we confess that, that you're working in this situation. And we give you praise for it. We give you glory for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for meeting our every need, Lord. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. David, I agree. <clears throat> Lord, our country needs you. We need you. And I decree you will not allow the elites of the world to rule apart from you. We just bless you, Lord Jesus. I want to welcome the Facebook group this morning. Facebook. They're still milking cows in Sweden. It's evening over there. God's on the move. I'm glad you're here. Come on, y'all not... I already got some amens. Emma Ruth's the only one them amen me over there. <clears throat> Here's some things I've heard about this week. I'm telling you, they're, they're after your guns. Biden is to force the UN on this small arms treaty and uh, they're going to include, try to get the U.S. gun owners in that. But Texas has just, a uh, judge just ruled that all adults, including 18-year-olds, have the right to open carry a handgun there. So there's some resistance. And there's an independent study conducted by the a North, North Carolina University on how Christian emails that are sent to you about Christian events are held up. They know how to manipulate everything. And what about this? I, I don't know, I forgot if it was Britain or, or all of Europe, but they say the electricity has gone up 1,000% from this time last year. Welcome to the New Green Deal. Maybe our country will wake up from some of these things that's going on in other places, but listen, we know this administration, they're, they're doing what they want to do to break our country, to make us a third world country. But I decree our God, as I said a while ago, will not allow the elites of the world to rule apart from Him. I think He's still laughing at them. He just hadn't made his move yet. But the kingdom of God is upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ and his kingdom will eventually crush all other kingdoms. And, but I, I am thankful for the right and the privilege to proclaim the lordship of Jesus Christ. And we as a church can proclaim that. Even as we're working on the barn in this meeting, and it, it makes a statement in our city, it's time to prepare for a harvest. And we have this time to model his kingdom and his church. And I'm thankful that he's chosen us. Aren't you glad he's grafted you into his kingdom? Lord, we bless you. Pray for the barn meeting. You know, there are numerous Christian organizations, good organizations, but there's only one that Jesus established. And it's called the church. And there's only one that he's coming back after. And it's the church. So um, some people want to give up on church, but God hadn't. We're the only group where the founder meets with us every time. And we thank you for that, Lord. We just thank you. We are His ecclesia and we're preparing for that harvest. 
couple of things I've heard this week or read that really spoke to me. And one was, in presenting the gospel, we usually just all pre present uh, the good side. We want to talk about, and, there are, and it is all good, and I'm not against the good side. I'm just saying we talk more about it. We talk about the miracles Jesus did. We talk about He is coming back. We talk about His goodness and how He meets our everyday needs. And yet the Apostle Paul preached uh, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There's another side to it about the things He went through. His pain, His loneliness at times, His... Uh, being called an outcast. And I said, uh, him being lonely, I, I don't think he was. I mean, I think loneliness kept at, came at him. Because it's like, at times, you're alone even in a crowd. You can be in a crowd and just feel so alone. That's just some amens. Lord, we just thank you. You're bigger in this sound system. Anyway, I'm going to present the gospel. And I got one verse out of Isaiah 52. And then we're going to chapter 53. You know Isaiah 53. But Isaiah 52, 14. Just as you were astonished just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your presence. And Lord, we've sang about you. We've sang about your mighty Holy Spirit and the fire of God. And Lord, I, I tell you this morning, I need your fire. I need your presence. I need everything you have for us. Lord, your word says that you give life to our bodies by your spirit. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I lift up Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I just give you praise and thanks today. In Jesus' name. Do you think about him that his appearance was marred more than any man. That was prophesied seven or eight hundred years. I didn't look up the exact number before he was crucified, before he was beaten so bad. Isaiah saw a picture of that. Lord, give us a picture of what Jesus Christ went through to pay the price to redeem us. Come on. Come on, it cost him. And let me tell you, and if you decide to pick up your cross, it'll cost you something. You may have somebody make fun of you. They may say something about you. They may be, you may lose somebody you thought was a friend. It may cost you something. Is he not worth the price? And I tell you, you have to think about that. And many have thought. And give up on it. But I know you have it. But there is a price to pay to follow Jesus. But not merely the price that he paid to redeem us. His vision was so marred. He didn't look like a human being. His form more than the sons of men. I want to start with just Isaiah 53 and read this chapter this morning. This is about our suffering servant. Who has believed our message? And maybe you've shared Jesus so much and you've thought, who really believes? I think about that. It comes at me. It wants to bother me. And you know when it does, it just shows me there's still some flesh of mine that just needs to die. Because 
It's His church. It's His service. And you can, you can teach the Word. You can share with your friends. But only God can change them. Only God can put a desire in them to be in His house <clears throat> and come fellowship with us. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Lord, it's been proclaimed, but have they understood your message? He, Jesus, grew up before Him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. <clears throat> he had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon Him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to Him. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> there was nothing about Him physically that drew people to Him. He was not the guy that walked down the street and all the ladies wowed about or the guy said, man, I wish I had a bill like him or look like him. That wasn't him. <clears throat> he had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. It wasn't his looks that drew people to him. It was strictly the anointing of the Spirit of God upon him. It wasn't his physical appearance. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face. You saw people that would just scare a child? That's what you're talking about. That's what he looked like. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. He was not appreciated. Do you feel like you're not appreciated sometimes? Join the group. Jesus felt like he wasn't appreciated. Verse 4 says, Surely our griefs He Himself bore. Can you think about this, kind, this side of Jesus' life? That's different than Him feeding the 5,000. Our griefs, that's our sicknesses, our weaknesses, our times of distress. Yet we ourselves esteemed Him. We regarded Him as being stricken smitten of God and afflicted. But it was pierced through for our transgressions. He was wounded. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was bruised. The chastening, the chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. The chastening of our well-being fell upon Him. He took the whippings. He took the punishment. For us, Lord, we bless you. By his scourging, we are healed. Lord, we thank you. We decree that you want us to walk in divine health. You are the healer. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon Him. All of your iniquities have fallen upon Jesus. All of our sins, past, present, and future, fell on Jesus. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet He did not open His mouth. 
Well, we can all complain, can't we? And we get tired of hearing everybody else complain. Yet it said he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter. Like a sheep that is silent before its shears. He did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. As for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living. They thought when he died, that ended it. For the transgressions, the sin of my people to whom the stroke was due. Was it not due us? It was due us. His grave was assigned with the wicked, with wicked men. You know, the two thieves. And of course, you know, just the anointing on him and who he was drew one of them to him even on the cross. Doesn't that say a lot about living a life? His grave was assigned with the wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death. He was buried in a rich man's tomb. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. I attended Bill Taylor's funeral yesterday. His girlfriend said, I've never heard him say a bad word about anybody. What a testimony, huh? Nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. A lot of people doesn't have a, a view of God that believes he could do that. Now they might believe he might crush them. They've kind of got an Old Testament mentality. They don't know what a loving father he is. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. <clears throat> if he would render himself as a guilt offering. See, Jesus didn't have to do that. If he would render himself as a guilt offering. He wasn't guilty of anything. But he was a guilt offering for every one of us. He was a guilt offering for all of mankind. if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offsprings. He sees us. He sees his children. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul. Can you, ever, can you remember a time when you were so crushed circumstances of life just ran over you we can probably all go back some of those times but as a result of the anguish of his soul he will see it and be satisfied god will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge the righteous one my servant will justify the many. Now that's us. Say, I'm justified. Come on, are you justified? Come on, I'm justified. He will bear their iniquities. Every sin you ever committed, every sin you're committing, every sin you'll ever commit, He bore those. He will bear their iniquities. He said he would. Of course, he's writing this 700 years before that actually happened. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. Talking about kings and saints. But he's the king of all kings and he's the Lord of all lords. He will divide the booty with the proud. He'll divide the plunder. He'll take it by force because... He poured himself 
He poured out Himself to death. You know, we think, you hear somebody say, I've just worked myself to death. We know that's a joke. But this is not. He poured Himself out unto death. Because He poured out Himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet He Himself bore the sins of many. He interceded for the transgressors. <clears throat> Think you could uh, pray for those that were nailing your hands to the cross? Yeah, God get them. No, He prayed for them. He prayed for them. Only the Holy Spirit can shed abroad the love of God <clears throat> in our hearts to give us that kind of love. Only God can do that because of everything that Jesus Christ went through. Can you imagine Isaiah after having that revelation from God living through that, thinking about that, what's going to happen, God's plan. Oh, you want to know the five-year plan for your life? I think not. I think we're better off not to know. Isaiah had a, had a vision. He had a, a word from God about the future. He, Isaiah saw us coming into the kingdom because of what Jesus Christ, the, about the Messiah that would come. Well, let me tell you, the Messiah has come. And He's defeated every enemy. He's passed every test. And He's seated on the throne today. Lord, we just bless You. It was God's will that Jesus came from heaven. It was God's will for Jesus to come into our hearts to do God's will in us. Why does He come in our lives? It's not just to make us happy. It's to make us like Him. We don't like this statement. It's in the Bible. It says, Therefore be you perfect. And we go about saying, Well, there's only one perfect one. And that's true in that sense. That's Jesus Christ. But I still... Remember Bobby Connor making this statement about that. God, there's none like, no one like you. And God, he said, the Holy Spirit said to him, Isn't that a shame? Be ye therefore perfect. Read it. I think it's the last verse in chapter 6 of Matthew 5, 6, 7, somewhere along there. It's the last verse. One of those chapters. Be ye perfect. But Jesus, I'm just telling you, Jesus has paid the price. He's, he's done it all for us. I want to read you part of this teaching of Oswald Chambers here this morning. This is another word that I've heard this week, but I, I just want to read his statement about, and it has to do with the baptism of fire. And I remember... <clears throat> We were downtown in the old pizza parlor. This would have been 1990. And uh, Dan Hall came. Could have, been eight, could have been 89 maybe. Before the first barn revival. I'm sure it was. And he said there's two. He said the Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of fire. He said I really think the baptism of fire is the most important. Then he went on just talk about some things. Now, I, I want to read this part of it this morning. Am I prepared for His coming? Jesus cannot come and do His work in me as long as there's anything blocking the way. Whether it's something good or it's something bad. When He comes to me, am I prepared for Him to drag Every wrong thing I've ever done into the light. That exactly where He comes. Wherever I know I'm unclean is where He'll put His feet and stand. And wherever I think I'm clean is where He'll remove His feet and walk away. 
Repentance does not cause a sense of sin. It causes a sense of inexpressible unworthiness. When I repent, I realize that I am absolutely helpless. And I know that through and through, I'm not worthy even to carry his sandals. Have I repented like that? Or do I have a lingering thought of possibly trying to defend my actions? The reason God cannot come into my life is that I'm not at the point of complete repentance. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John is not speaking here of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as an experience, but as a work performed by Jesus Christ. He will baptize you. The only experience that those who are baptized with the Holy Spirit are every conscious of is the experience of sensing their absolute unworthiness. I indeed was this in the past, but he came and something miraculous happened. Get to the end of yourself where you can do nothing but where he does everything. It's hard for us as Christians to believe that circumstances that happen in our life, God knew about it first. We want to blame everything on the devil. And God is working in us, and he'll continually work in you. What is the baptism of fire? That's the fire that's going to burn everything out of us that's not like him. That's that process that's going on in our life if we want Jesus to be who he says he is. If we want to be a real disciple of Jesus. The baptism of fire. I remember, you, know, you can go back and think about events in your life that changed your life. Of course, we should say that the biggest thing that ever happened to us, the greatest thing was getting saved. The next thing I'd, I'd say in my life was getting to marry Miss Dixie. But then in my adult life, probably the one, well, of course, becoming a father makes a change. Hearing about and being filled with the Holy Spirit, and whether it was a baptism of the Holy Spirit or a baptism of fire, I felt like it was both, I guess. I don't know. Because it wasn't what I thought it would be. I've told you before, I thought it would be me and Jesus on a cloud sipping lemonade. You know, I'd be above all the cares and I'd, I'd have no issues. And you know, that's still probably where he wants us to live. That's what he wants us to live. But in my case, he said there's some things wrong. Then he named about three things in particular. One had to do with the horse business. One had to do with their insurance business. One had to do with our marriage. He said, you need to go get those straight. I said, Lord, I thank you that when I confess my sin, you put them far away as the east is from the west. That's true. But he said, there's other people involved in this and you need to go get it straight. That was not my idea of being filled with the Spirit. Where that fits in your theology, I don't know. I said, whether that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit or it was fire or if it was both. I had anguish in my soul for a few days, wondering how that was all going to come out. It's going to cost you something. But you know what? For it's God who's working in us to will and work for His good pleasure. Why are we here? 
He created us in His image. But He gives us a choice of walking with Him or walking on our own. I'll tell you, the baptism of fire will purify your soul. That's what God wants to do is purify our souls. He's going to to do it if we want to walk with Him. But we, we can stop anywhere along the way. We can go our way. Well, I say that, but I just think sometimes God gets a hold of you and you can't get away. You, in fact, you don't want to. Yet you don't want to go do this, but you know you're going to. I had a guy work for me. He said, I sure don't want to, but I better go get started. There's just a time to go get started. You go deal with the stuff. You have to go deal with the stuff. We had two, uh, well, one of those horse things, I believe if I hadn't dealt with that, I would have never raised one that became a super horse because they kind of came out of that same line. There's just probably three or four years difference in the birth of those horses. That that super horse would have never come about, I believe, if I hadn't dealt with that issue. I mean, there's just things. You know, we've had two fires in that barn, that whole southwest corner, and more than what you see, there's another room back there just plumb full of hay. Burn up twice. That'll bring anguish to you. I mean, you've been through hard things. You've had things happen in your life. Through your, your family or business or your marriage. Some of you have been, I know you've been through hard things. You can just think about things that, that change you as, you as you go through life. I mean, you die a little more to things. This don't mean as much to you as they used to. But God, you know God's right in the middle of it. He's building something in you that's an everlasting thing. See, He's building you for His purpose. He wants you to fulfill His purpose in the earth. I've told you, I would have been happy just as a young man working as a cowboy on a ranch somewhere. But yet the steps God has taken me through, I don't know what the next step is going to be. But God's good. What's He doing in your life? What's He up to in, in your life? What's the circumstance that you're facing that you just say it must not be God? What's He working on in you? To will and work for His good pleasure. Do we realize that Jesus on the cross won back for mankind everything that Adam lost? So now if we believe that, you remember Adam walking around? Adam, what do you want to name this animal? What do you want to do that? How do you want to name that one? <clears throat> Having conversations with God. How does that fit in your life? See, we're created to have fellowship with the Father. We can have the life that Adam had. Romans 5:17. <clears throat> For by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We're to reign in this life. There's so many people who just, we get to heaven, it's all going to be great. Listen, He wants it to be great where you're at today. He wants you to rule and reign with Him in life. Why did He go to the cross? So you could rule and reign. So you could represent Him here on the earth. That's His kingdom. <clears throat> it, may, it may take the baptism of fire. In fact, it will. 
Because our flesh really gets set. Bless God, I'll not do that. Well, bless God, you'll probably be the next one sitting on the front row. I don't know. Just sure as you say, I'm not going to. You just know that is your next destiny. God's a big tricker. He draws us in unusual ways. He uses unusual people. He uses all kinds of circumstances. He wants to get us in a place where there is no hope for us except for Him. If He doesn't come through, we're sunk. See, I want to have my ducks all in a row. I want to have it all all right. And he wants us to be responsible. He does. But what do you believe in God for that you can't do? See, that's where he wants. Where's faith come in? You're not in faith. You, you know what to do. You know how to handle it. You know how it's all going to work out. By faith, they conquered. By faith, by faith we walk. By faith, we live and move in Him. By faith, in His finished work. You know how gold is purified? Only by fire. And you know the goldsmiths will put the gold in the fire... He'll leave it in there a while, and he'll bring it out. He'll take it out. Charles, he'll look at it, and he sees there's, they call it even a, 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 an adulterous process in there that needs to come out. So he just puts it back in the fire. Maybe it turns the heat up a little bit more. Did ever turn the heat up on you? He'll pull it back out. He'll look at it. His eye can detect that it's still not pure. He'll put it back in. He keeps doing that. He keeps doing that. He keeps doing that in our lives. He'll keep putting us back in the fire until we want to just surrender to Him. I'm not saying surrender to Him doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher. It doesn't mean He, he wants you to be who you are, and, but allow Him to call the shots in whatever vocation, your home, wherever you're at. He wants to be Lord of all. Charles, He's got more for you than you know. He's not nearly finished with you. He's just putting you back in the oven. This, this move you went through, you're in the fire. If he doesn't come through, you're sunk. If he doesn't come through, we're sunk. We can't make things happen. We can't save anyone. Only Jesus can. Only the Holy Spirit can do this work. And he's just looking to us to somebody say, Jesus, here I am. Use me. However you want to. Where's that fit in your life? Where does the baptism of fire fit? Jesus thought about it. He knew he'd pay the price. He agreed to pay the price. He came to earth to pay the price. He, for 33 years every day, he knew he was going to pay the price. That's the proof. That's the Jesus Paul talked about when he says, I preach Jesus Christ and him, him crucified. He didn't preach him as the guy that's going to take care of all your problems. He said, he's a man that will save you. And he'll change you if you'll allow him. But see, we've had a gospel that said, just come to Jesus, be saved, go live your life. No, it's going to cost you something if you want to walk with him. Gold has to be purified. We are so 
self-righteous or righteous in our own rights. And we are until the Holy Spirit shows us an area that we're not right about. I mean, if you're in an obvious sin, you know you're in an obvious sin. You know it's wrong. It's just your stubborn will. You want to keep doing it. But when you think, okay, I had a man one time drive me to a meeting. I was going to give a testimony years ago. He said, if I just quit smoking, I'd be ready to be a deacon. But I mean, that's kind of the way we look at life as one, one little thing. And you can name a G in things in that category. But what's Jesus say about it? Let's just stand up. Let's just get ready to let God deal with your heart this morning. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. Listen, there's enough here to change the world. Look what, what 11 did. Lord, I'm thankful for everyone that's here. Holy Spirit, you speak to us. You know where each one of us is at, whether it's in the fire or we need to be in the fire, whether we need to come and give it all to you, that we know Jesus Christ is the only one that can save us if we'll ask him. He wants you to have a revival in you, in your heart. This is the will of God to let Jesus Christ be who He says He is in you, in me. We think Skytook needs revival. Listen, we need it. The church needs it. Lord, I bring every need here to you. I thank you for everyone. Holy Spirit, deal with our hearts till we surrender to you. Lord, turn up the fire till we give it all to you. Put us back in the fiery furnace. Purify the gold, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. You want more of him? Do you want more of Jesus in your life? Come on. Come get more of him today. You can come to the altars and pray. Do you want us to pray for you? Be filled with his spirit and let the fire of God come in your life. We'll pray. Come on. Let the fire fall. Lord, let it fall. Let it fire. Lord, cleanse us all. We exalt you, Lord. We exalt you. We bless you. We honor you. The word is alive and the truth has set me free. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. The river of fire is about to be released, yeah. There's a revival that's burning in me. Come on. If he's reminding you of something, that means he wants to deal with it today. If you don't respond to that gentle voice, he'll turn the heat up. More of you, Lord. More of you. God, I praise God. I praise you for men that's not ashamed of the gospel of you to walk the aisles, Lord. Listen, everybody's not going to be blindfolded in heaven. When we meet God, when we meet Jesus, we're all going to stand before Him someday. We come before you today, Lord, say, have your way in us, Jesus.
Come on, we've got to have it in us before we can. We think we can go have revival and win the loss. He wants the church to be on fire. He wants to be the church to be full of him. on, is it amen or oh me this morning? We agree with him. He wants to change us, rearrange us for his purposes. He wants to be Lord of your home. You must be Lord of your job, your business. He's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. There's another aspect of the fire. We want that fire to come in and burn up everything that doesn't look like Jesus. But there's another aspect of it. It's the zeal and the passion of God. We want to have that fire, that zeal of God burning in us because that's what attracts the people to Jesus. There's, the Word of God says, we are not to lag in zeal or earnest endeavor, but to be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Burning with the Spirit so that it's evident. They knew the disciples had been with Jesus. There was something evident about it. We used to sing a song a long time ago that said, The zeal of God has consumed me. It burns within my soul. A mighty force that can't be stopped. A fire that cannot be quenched. And I'm saying there is fire up here. And if you want it, just ask God for it. If you see that you're lagging in zeal, that you don't feel like you're burning with the Spirit, that you don't have a desire for more of God and desire for Him to use you, asking for it, He'll give it to you. Just come up here. Come and get fire. You know, come and put your torch with this burning fire that's up here and let Him ignite you and stir you up to be all He's created you to be. We hold back so much. I don't know why we do. I know the enemy is there to stop us. He's always wanting to pour water on our fire. But we keep going back to the Lord to get rekindled, rekindled, rekindled. We need it. We need it to go out and be the church we're supposed to be. We need it in our jobs, in our schools. We need that power, that fire, and that zeal of God. So, Lord, we ask you for it. We ask you to consume us with your fire. Lord, you are a consuming fire. You are the refiner's fire. Lord, stir in us, burn in us, Lord. Passion for Jesus. Passion for his kingdom. Passion for his name. Jesus, come with your fire. Start, Lord, by burning up everything that doesn't look like you. But Lord, then, Lord, just stir that passion in us that can't be stopped. A fire that cannot be quenched. Lord, we ask you for it now in the name of Jesus. Come, Lord, come with your fire. Change us, move us, Lord. Uh, help us to get out of complacency, Lord. And move, step out with you. 
And you know, there's something else about that fire. I didn't go into the fire. I asked for it though, because I just saw things in my life. I don't want, I want, I want to look like Jesus. So I've asked him for it and he has brought it. He has brought fire, but there's something really sweet about it. When you know you're in the fire and you know God is with you, there is a security and a peace that's in you that comes with the fire of God. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to be afraid of. Our God loves us. And He loves us enough to deal with us. And He's with us. Just like the, the Lord was with those in the fiery furnace. He was in there walking with them. He's with us. He won't leave us. He's our God. He's awesome. He's awesome. Any other word this morning? I've been sitting here thinking about this. He told me what happened to you. Someone cut his fence and stole two horses. Is that right? Yeah, well, I've just been sitting there thinking of that scripture. It says, if the thief is found out, he has to give back a sevenfold return. Now, I don't know if that means that you'd get back 14 horses, but <laughs> you probably don't want that. But, but we pray that that thief is found. That's terrible. You know, in the olden days, they, they, they hung horse thieves, so... I don't know what they'd do now, but I think that's just awful. And I've been sitting here thinking about that. So We decree, yeah, that the thief will be found. Everybody agree with that? That he'll get back his horses or find out who it is or get restitution, whatever God wants, we'll say, in Jesus' name. Don't miss Wednesday night. I'm telling you, John Watson's doing an awesome job with the youth. Bring your kids. Let's put godly stuff in them. Friday night, Saturday morning at the barn. Okay? We're ready to go. Lord, we thank you. Your word never returns void. God, I decree you're working in us and through us to will and work for your good pleasure. And I speak blessings over the people in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.